Guys, good Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry Miller, and welcome to Real Talk with Keith Smith. Thank you kindly for joining us. This show today presented by our good buddy, Scott Morris of Ross Mortgage. If you need somebody to get you to the finish line, give our friend Scott Morris a call at Ross Mortgage. He's on vacation. So is the star of the program, Keith Smith. I haven't seen him in a couple weeks. But don't worry. we got two dudes here that are going to carry the show and maybe make it even better. This guy's a rising star in households across Central Virginia. His name is Jeremy Rowe. This guy's a known commodity in households across Central Virginia. His name is Taylor Averett. Boys, welcome to the program. I love today's show already. How are you? Doing very well. Thank you for having us. We were uh, joking off air, and folks are putting in the feed, who are the tallest agents in car? We have somewhere between, now, not all the agents um, are doing this full-time. Some are hobbyist agents. Somewhere between 1,200 and 1,500 folks in car, depending on the day. Taylor Averett on set, maybe the second tallest one, and he's competing for best dress. His competitor, (laughs) Matt Neese, is watching right now, and he might be sharper dressed than Taylor Averett. How are you, my friend? Where do you want to go anywhere on this show today? Yeah, I'm doing great. I mean, we can talk about the market if you want to, a little bit of quick market update. Yeah. Um, I have a new metric for market update. It's home inspection rates. Oh. Um, I met with a home inspector this morning. He told me he does about four inspections per week, hasn't done an inspection in the city limits in about three weeks. So what that's saying is that supply is down, and what it's also saying is that demand is really high for that supply. Because people are waiving their inspections to win if they do get a contract, and um, and there's just not enough houses out there for people to for purchasers to have the power to have home inspections. That's a great metric. Did yeah. you ask him other jurisdictions? Uh, the counties have a higher rate of inspection than the city, the surrounding counties do for sure. But more inventory there. More inventory and also uh, less demand. Relative, relative less demand. Um, market update for you, my friend. Jeremy, what are you seeing? What's the temperature? Yeah, no, I, I, I haven't seen a whole lot change since I was on the, the show last week. Um, it's still been very busy, still getting a lot of inquiries um, uh, from homes that are going under contract, which is a good thing. That's always a positive sign. Um, new leads coming in from, from new home closings. It is interesting that, that uh, that's a great new metric to kind of look at, Taylor. I, I was doing a presentation yesterday over at Keller Williams to uh, agents helping out insurance a- insurance agents helping out realtors um, by understanding homeowners insurance and what they need to look for as they're looking at homes for their buyers. And one of the things that I always encourage is to get a home, home inspection done. I don't care if it's for informational purposes only. People need to know what they're buying. Um, and there's different ways you can write contingencies in with, with a home inspection. Um, one of the most popular things that I've seen now is that the home inspection um, is going to be, for informational purposes, unless one item is more than, say, $5,000 worth of repairs. Mm-hmm. So that you're not you know, nitpicking over little things or cosmetic things when it comes to doing this. But the, the value of, of having the home inspection um, is critical because most insurance companies also do a, a home inspection. They want to come out and take a look at it, whether they're coming by and just taking photos or if they're looking to see what type of plumbing or electrical work is in the home. Um, and sometimes people are surprised that they're like, the, the insurance company wants me to, to get a home inspection uh, or, or wants me to fix some things on my home. But the insurance company is taking on the risk of insuring this investment. Um, and so as you, if you're paying five hundred, $600,000, $700,000 for a home, you should really know what you're getting, even if you're not asking the seller to do anything. Mm-hmm. I agree. I like it. 450 600 bucks. How are you seeing the home inspection 
contingency or non-contingency being utilized in deals today. We are hearing from many people, it's such a competitive market, they're waved all together. This man's a reasonable guy. He's saying at least do some due diligence. I myself cannot, now we're fortunate in that we own a house here, I could not buy a house without a home inspection. I just could not do it. But I understand some people are doing it. What are you seeing? Well, there's a few options that you have. I'd say the, the first option is if you know when you're going to go through the house and you have a trusted home, or, and your agent has a large group of home inspectors that they trust that they can ask where maybe a short-term scheduling wouldn't be a problem, you can do a walk and talk. So you cannot get a home inspection report. It can't be a full inspection. But you can take a home inspector with you through the house for a nominal fee uh, to do essentially a visual inspection to give you an idea of how things look at while you're previewing the house with your agent prior to putting in an offer. That's a great way to kind of hedge your bet to get some comfort, um, but to also completely waive your contingency when you make that offer. Um, some sellers may not really care for it, but it is what it is. Um, it probably will cost you $100. So the consideration as a buyer is I have to really want this house. I think I'm going to want this house. You can't just spend $100 every time you go look at a house if you're one of those serial tourists looking at 10 houses a week. That's going to add mean, up. Yeah, that's going to add up quick. Um, a home inspection document has a few sections. You have a section A is a, a period to have a section. Section B is a period to negotiate uh, repairs. And section C is a termination period. You can assign different values to those. Having a quicker turnaround in Section A, instead of the traditional 14-day inspection period, having a five-day inspection period. Having your agent call an inspector prior to making the offer to see their availability to know, okay, I'm making this offer on Monday. I can get an inspection by Wednesday, so I can make this a two-day turnaround of that contract. And already locking that in is extremely valuable instead of leaving it open air to a seller who's going to take the burden of that uncertainty for a 10-day period. If you want to have an informational purposes only inspection, even if you're going to waive your contingency, because having an informational purposes only inspection could still give you the right to retain a contingency, kind of like Jeremy was talking about where, okay, I'm, I'm going to get out if I find a nuclear bomb buried under this house, but otherwise I'm good. Mm -hmm. um, you have to write in that contract that you retain a contingency. If you want to have an inspection for informational purposes only while you're under contract, but you're willing to waive your contingency, make sure that you put the verbiage in there, I'm waiving a contingency, but I would still like to have an inspection. Otherwise, a seller is not under any obligation to let you walk through with anybody um, to look at the house. And I've had clients who um, people waive their contingency and didn't include the verbiage in the contract. and. They said, well, we'd still like to have an inspector come do for our, edification, our own edification. And he said, you're more than welcome to the day after closing. That's what he said? Yeah. Yeah, which you can't blame him. Can't blame him. And no. he's an attorney, so. Yeah, he knew how to play the game. He knows how to play he, the game. He knew how to play the game. You can't blame him for that. Yeah. Follow-up question to you on this. Yeah. Um, the home inspections where it's a contingency up to a, th a certain threshold. Mm-hmm. Is the seller going to see that as a potential roadblock in a multiple offer scenario? It could. It's, I've actually yeah. heard because of that Because that's happening. an out for the buyer. It is actually. I've heard of it actually being a lose-lose. Explain that. You're going to have to forgive me because I'm a little foggy on the details. But, okay. but something had to be repaired, I believe, based on the appraisal. Or there was an issue that came up. I think they had a $2,500 threshold uh, and something was $2,000. So it was painful for both parties involved. Mm -hmm. um, and it became a real 
issue. And I, I believe that it had to be repaired, but the seller didn't want to repair it because of the verbiage in the contract, and the mm-hmm. buyer didn't want to repair it, couldn't repair it because they're under contract and not going to improve a home they don't own. And, and forgive I'm foggy on the details of this, but, but sure. yes, it can be an issue when, when things like that come along. And the ones that I've seen that have been the most successful, normally the, the uh, amount of the out is, is basically sending it to, it is going to be, if you say like $5,000 or $10,000, you're basically saying if the foundation of this home is okay. like crumbling. So it's not nominal. Like, yeah. so it, well, it, it is, um, when you're in like the lower limits, say like a thousand or two thousand dollars, it becomes a there's a lot grayer area. As you go to the extremes, it's going to get more black and white. So if you set it at like ten thousand dollars, you're basically looking at the foundation is crumbling or like termites have eaten out this entire home, and I need to get out of this contract. Um, it can lose in a multiple offer situation, mm-hmm. but it's also generally a stronger way that you're still protecting your buyer if you do something like that. In case there is something that is, and unfortunately on the home insurance side, I've seen instances where people have bought homes without the home inspection, and it is it is Tom Hanks, the money pit. Tell um, us. Yeah. Give us the horror story. I, I, without names and places. Sure. No, it, it was a, um, a beautiful, you know, brick home. It looked looked really great. The photos looked fantastic of it, uh, of the home. And after they moved in, they noticed an area where the roof um, might have been leaking a little bit. And so they dug into that area. And after peeling off some drywall, they noticed that water had gone all the way through the walls and down into the foundation. And there was black mold throughout the entire area. One of the um, headers had rotted and needed to get replaced. And somewhere around thirty, $45,000 later, the house was starting to get back to what they had originally thought that they were in. Um, so, I mean, it's a great it's a great example on just if if you if you have a budget for what you're looking to buy for a home, and if you know that you're going to need invest you know to put some money in for repairs, at least you're mentally prepared for that. And remember um, that Virginia is a buyer due diligence state. It is. Uh, sellers don't have to make any disclosures unless they actively know of active material defects. Mm-hmm. So. How does seller. that work with the agent? Uh, if, if the agent finds out, then they have to disclose. Right, I know you guys do, but yeah. how would the agent find out? Is um, that where the agent goes in and is not asking too many questions? It can be. Yeah. Yeah, it's like don't, you know, there's times when lenders are also like, wait, wait, don't tell me. Yeah. Um, and agents are like that too from time to time. Um, I've heard of agents walking through houses and spotting things and saying, darn, I've got to talk to my client about this now. Um, uh, but yes, of their current listing, the yeah, agent's yeah. listing. Yeah, dang. Yeah, so it's uh, yeah. If the agent finds out, then they have to make the client aware, and then it has to be disclosed. But you know, in that case, there's probably culpable deniability from the seller, and uh, it had been an investment property, so they hadn't even they don't even the home, know. So they didn't even know. And I tell people all the time, this watermark on the ceiling. If it's not disclosed legally, is indicative that this is a remediated issue, and so you can see evidence of former problems that maybe they haven't painted over. And if they haven't disclosed it, that's supposed to indicate not an active problem, but the evidence still remains. So, you know, it's, it becomes a, is this actually active? Are they not disclosing this? An inspection seems like more necessary now than maybe before. Um, it, it can really put a buyer in a tailspin, especially when it's a seller's market like this. I see the wheels turning. You want to add something? Go next topic? Yeah, well, I... You know, I was thinking 
thinking about it from an insurance standpoint, because whenever I'm doing a new home, I run something called a clue report, which is basically it looks at any claims history over the last seven years. And in those examples, too, if it's, if it's a problem that happened, normally if it's an insurance claim, then the insurance paid and something got fixed. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could be buying a home, and I could look at the history of the home, and it had $43,000 worth of water damage that was repaired on the home. It does not have to be disclosed. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's something that I see that comes up. This is a real yeah. spinner for people from states like California. Which is different. Which is different. Mm-hmm. Which from, and from what I understand is like extreme disclosure state. And so they come here, and then they are completely uncomfortable with the lack of disclosures made and, and uh, the lack of information available about each house. And uh, your agent may not know the ages of things like HVACs, roofs, when the last time something happened, because the person that bought it wasn't, it was existing, they weren't told from that seller, and then they have no idea now because there's not these large disclosure packs. Which is another good reason to get a home inspection, yeah, right. because the home inspector is used to looking That's at these exactly things, right. and he can help you tell those exactly things. Right. Um, so we got on home inspections with Taylor's metric. I think it's a darn good one. Um, home inspector's doing work. He said in the city, normally he's doing the inspector, his colleague, four. Now it's down to one. I'm going to throw this to you on the whole supply chain of real estate, and we're on this supply chain of real estate here as well. I mean, Real Talk is three times a week. We have sponsors tied to real estate on this show here. On the supply chain of real estate in Central Virginia, which profession is doing the best and maybe most protected from a 30% down inventory market year over year, and which one on that supply chain is most challenged? Is it the home inspector, no inventory and inspections being raised, being uh, waived? Is it the appraiser? I mean, a lot of appraisers are, don't have a ton of work right now either. Show's yours on that. Topic. I think the home inspector is probably the most downstream there. You know, probably doing the best is the well-established real estate agent. The second best would be the loan originator because they are uh, essential. They are essential to some some transactions. The real estate agent can clean up on both uh, cash transactions and finance transactions. It's, it's the opposite. You know, the mortgage loan officer was doing great when the rates were low because they could clean up on new purchases and refinances. You know, their refinance activity has dried up, and now the real estate agent is the one that can double dip between cash and, and mortgages. Cash offers and financed offers both are probably, like if you say, well, 50% of financed offers are waiving their inspection, then the inspector is downstream from that. So I think the inspectors are probably seeing the largest hit, um, and they're really trying to pivot themselves or position themselves in these walk-in talks, or get the inspection anyway. You know, that's the talking point when I talk to inspectors. Oh, I'm available to do a walk-in talk for $100. Or uh, make sure you tell your clients that they don't want to be ignorant about what's going on in their house. The day after closing, I'll be there to do their inspection for their own edification. So, uh, you know, that's that's what I'm seeing. I see it. What do you say? Yeah, I I think so, too. I was was thinking through just that that titration. Right now, you know, we are seeing... there, there's a lot of cash out there. It's kind of surprising, of and like at all price point levels too. It's not. It's not just the investment. The sub two fifty. If there is a sub two fifty market right now, um, where's the sub two fifty market? Is that Buckingham? It probably. I mean, I, I ran numbers. Hessian Hills. Hessian Hills. Turtle yeah. Creek. Yeah. Bills at Southern Ridge. Yeah. I mean, I ran numbers over in Augusta County maybe two weeks ago, and I think the number of properties that were. <laughs> Three bedroom, two full bath, under two fifty. There, there might have been six, and or there might have been eight, but probably four of them were were manufactured homes, you know, double wides, mm-hmm. trailers. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> there's not a lot out mm-hmm. there. No. Um, 
but the cash buyers, I mean, it, it, I've seen, I've seen $550,000 cash offers, you know, on some properties and everything right now. Where's the cash coming so, from? Out of market? In market? Uh, I, I would say a lot of it is, is probably coming from out of market. My, I, I my don't, cash clients are all out of market. Yeah. And what is it? They sold Georgetown townhome, D.C., Northern Virginia townhome, 1415, come down with a bag of money? Some of them, or they sold companies and, and just have a bag of money not related to other real estate. Why move here? UVA ties? Uh, some people are buying uh, properties for their children. Oh, wow. And advanced schools at UVA. Good Lord. Uh, because rent, <laughs> rents are so high and, and not proximates. Um my, you got clients that are doing that? Yeah. Oh, my colleague, Brad Pitt, I think. <laughs> uh, Brad Pitt with Keller Williams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I know Brad. Uh, Bradley James, not, yeah. the, uh, not the actor. Um, Good dude. He sold uh, like a property that's like twice the value of my house to somebody for their kid to live in when they went mm-hmm. to UVA. Really? Yeah. It was ridiculous. Are you seeing that? What are you seeing there? The, I, I see that frequently. The other, the other biggest trend, and I know we discussed it on the last show on just, you know, the retirement cities, you know, in and around Virginia. Um, but uh, over the last 10 years or so, it used to be the trend that you, you know, uh, after you graduated school and everything, that you would go and you would move to be closer to mom and dad mm-hmm. or the hometown that you grew up in. It is much more of a trend now, I think, for the grandparents to move where the mm-hmm. grandkids are. Yeah. Um, that, that's what my cash clients are doing right now. Yeah. I, I, just I wish met- that would be with our family. We need all <laughs> the help we can get. Do, is your, are your in-laws or your parents close to your family? Uh, yeah. my, uh, my mother is over in Augusta County. Oh, you're so, so, so fortunate. I'm, I'm oh, you grew close. up there. I, I grew up over yeah. there. So, so I'm one that, in, and it was, it, was, it was my wife's call that we were going to live over in this area, which I was perfectly fine with. Yeah. Um, well, that's close, though. But, but, her, uh, but I, I certainly know that you know, her mom and dad have been, have been looking at you know, looking at some property in and around the area just to Here? be close to us. Over in, in Augusta County or, or Charlottesville, Albemarle. Um, if they make the move from Augusta to Albemarle or Charlottesville, is that going to 2X their overhead? Well, they – so Logan's parents live up in – they're from mainline Philadelphia. So they're outside of Philadelphia. Mm, okay. So it's the northeast move where yeah, if right. they moved from up there down here, that it's, it's the, the market change for them. So – and that's something that I we do see fairly frequently – Northern Virginia, especially, but it's not uncommon for New York, Philadelphia, Boston, um, uh, or even some of the other locations like you know Colorado, um, you know, or or California, Texas, um, mm-hmm. to to sell property, and that they move to this area. Uh, I was just talking earlier to um, uh, Alex Howell, who um, his brother Jimmy was on the football team, and he uh, he's a financial advisor here in town. Uh, and you know, he said when Jimmy settled here, when he settled here, uh, his parents moved up from Florence, South Carolina. Um, so, you know, that, that's a trend that we see commonly is parents relocating. And as, uh, it's with, it's with their kids finding jobs and Charlottesville is a growing, it's a growing town. You know, there's always work going on at the hospital around here. Um, it's been talks that, you know, Injik is looking to expand uh, you know, their facilities. So we're going to continue to have an influx of jobs oh, yeah. uh, and people working. And I think we're going to see not only the people filling those jobs, but also their family coming to follow them as well. Uh, questions are coming in, guys. And you, the viewer and listener, can ask the panel questions. Kelsey Klein in Almaro County. For Taylor, how many of your clients in 2023 have been cash buyers? What percentage? Uh, 50. Get out. Probably, yeah. Half That's of your, higher than I would have thought. <laughs> for real, dude. Yeah. Half of your buying clients are all cash? The ones that actually bought something. 
Dang, dude. Yeah. That really, that says something right there. Vanessa Parkhill in Earliesville watching the program. How about this post from Joshua Tracy an hour ago? Josh Tracy, I love you, homie. He sold a, uh, or excuse me, his clients bought a property in Whittington. And I'm highlighting this for this main line that he writes in his post from one hour ago. Still a competitive market, even in the upper price ranges. Oh, yeah. Show us yours on that. Uh, I showed... um Karen Ball's listing in downtown this weekend. That's a great listing. Uh, it's great. They've got, you know, my clients were considering it. I don't, I don't think we're, I, well, we didn't make an offer ultimately, but um, they had multiple offers on that house. It was $1.65 million. Is um, that the one off rugby? Of, of, no, it's off of, uh, of wine. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So that's north downtown. North downtown. Right across from the ball field. Yeah. That's a great location. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, beautiful home. $1.6 million, multiple offers. And speaking about cash in all uh, areas, I don't know what those offers consisted of. But when I was talking to my clients about their, what they should consider when making an offer, I said, do not discount the fact that there's been no listings in the last six months in North Downtown that were over $800,000, which isn't indicative of the value going down. It's more indicative of the People quality, holding their houses. Holding their houses, but the quality of homes that were listed. You know, $800,000 in North Downtown is a home that needs some work. No or doubt. It's, or it's very small. Eight hundred k in North Downtown is the entry point. It's the entry point. Yeah. So if you are a luxury buyer who's been waiting for North Downtown, you've been waiting six months to get something that's move-in ready. Yep. And so people, and, and that type of buyer is somebody who has cash, maybe coming from outside of market, maybe who's lived in Charlottesville forever, maybe who has a company... <laughs> It would not surprise me if they got cash on $1.6 million north downtown. There's not been anything else to spend their money on if they're wanting a, a move-in ready, large square footage, nice home in that small part of town. What's your take on that? Yeah, I think he's right. No, I, it, it is. And it's, you know, when we see the lack of inventory, it, it is, it's really across all the price points for us. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got some good friends that, um, you know, they live in New York City. And they, they had bought a, um, they're very fortunate that they could buy into a co-op that was up there. But it's a one-bedroom, one-bath co-op. And right now in New York City, those are a dime a dozen. I mean, it might be a $750,000, you know, home uh, up there. But there's more of that inventory available. So when you look in New York, where their market is more, is more tight is when you get into that $2.5 million and up price point Mm -hmm. and that's where there's a competitive market in there but the lower price points you know there's a lot of availability where we are located i don't care if it is a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar home or if it's a 1.5 million dollar listing if that's your if that is what you are looking for there's only so many 1.5 million dollar listings that we have here in the area and they don't come on the market all the time so when they do and people are ready for them you know, they have to make an offer. So we're, yeah, we're seeing it across all the price mm-hmm. points. Great take right there from um, Jeremy. Karen Ball's on fire right now. 1075 Old Garth Road under contract, 1895 lists. 221 Wine Street under contract, 165 lists. 1440 Grove Road under contract, 1095 lists. Yeah. Avon Street in Belmont under contract, 509 lists. Nottingham Road under contract, 475 list. She legitimately has five homes under contract right here. 
back of the napkin, rough estimate. I'm thinking somewhere in the neighborhood of $5 million yeah. of business under contract right now. And oh. the nicest person. Yeah. Is she yeah, the nicest person? Oh, I don't know. Nice. She's a lovely person. Super yeah. nice. Okay. Yeah. This, this question from Jonathan comes in from the panel. How could someone get into one of these coveted neighborhoods if the homes are going under contract in all cash and multiple offer scenarios in a weekend? We would love to live in North Downtown. We would love it to live into any of these neighborhoods. But how could someone get into these homes? That's a great question. Yeah. Have a bag of money. Win the lottery. Is that what you're going to say, Jerry? Uh, <laughs> Rob a bank. It, it, it is. Um, it's not easy. It, it is not. Forever. It is not easy. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's a couple of. of <laughs> the, the biggest thing that there is is patience. Um, I don't care if it's. It's a real uh, next play mentality. <laughs> you know. I, I, I mean, you know, it's a sports reference. As, as we've as we've discussed on here, you know, there's there's going to be at some point there's going to be a change uh, in the general market. I think Charlottesville is more insulated than a lot of markets, um, but uh, you know whether it's 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 time and savings and work uh, that it takes, um, or just waiting for you know the availability, but. Um, but being patient and, uh, if it's something that, you know, you're working towards and you set a goal, then be prepared to, to make the move when the timing's right. You never know, you never know what's going to, to happen or what's going to come on. So, um, but, but there's no, there's no great, there's no great answer there's for no that. There's no great answer uh, for this. I asked this question to Quentin so, Beckham yeah. and Kerry Griggs. I'll ask you guys the same one. If you want to get into North downtown, those sexy houses in Belmont, say Adnam Forest. Farmington, any of these hot neighborhoods, and you currently own a house, do you have to list your house, go under contract before you can pursue one of these houses? Right. Can you even go in with a home sale contingency in no. 2023? No, no, Absolutely no. not, right? Absolutely not. Okay, no, not. okay. So you have to list, do you have to sell? Can you go in you under contract? Get, you have to get really uncomfortable. You That's, gotta, okay, explain. You have to get the cash in your hand and risk being homeless. Oh, so you hear this, people? Yeah. Or, or you have to be able to financially swing carrying... Two houses. Two houses for yeah. an extended period of time. If you can qualify. What about a bridge loan? I, uh, the, bridge, the bridge loan crossed my mind, but that... Does it, a bridge loan scare that, you? That, that is a... And uh, Scott Morris was sitting right here. He could answer um, that, yeah. But, but it, there's... I feel that people talk about bridge loans in... Uh, with more simplicity than what actually goes into that, like you, you have, you, you need to do your due diligence and and your work leading up to that. Explain, because it, um, it, there's a verification of a lot of different things that that has to come into play for the bridge loan to to come into effect. So if you're if you want to make offers using a bridge loan, you really need to start that process and conversation with the lender probably three to six months in advance. Of, of really making a purchase and have everything lined up and ready to go. Um, I am not a lender, but having worked in, in you know, with, with home, new home construction and everything that I've seen, it, it, is, it is not a, oh, shoot, I need a bridge loan for this home and I got to call up, you know, the person that's doing my mortgage and hopefully they can do it in 21 or 30 days. They, there's, a, there's a lot more to the process of getting a bridge loan than that. So, Again, a lot of these things, sitting down with a very good mortgage lender and discussing those options um, and, and, and finding who is, has a competitive market for a bridge loan right now is the only true way that I can see that. The, but, but either you have the financial ability to swing carrying a property. Now, again, listing it once you are under contract. I, I, don't, I don't fear for a lot of homes in our market that they're not going to sell in a no, fairly no, timely no. fashion. Yeah. Um, 
but but it is it is a it's a game of chicken, you know, selling your home and then finding a home yeah. and being able to be competitive. And what do you do in the short? Being short explicit time about your needs to the buyers is pretty important there too. So um, there's a section in the MLS that is not public, and often in that section, the 60-day seller possession. Yeah, often yeah, that section. It's, we need it. It's pretty. It's spelled out pretty clearly that we need a 60-day seller seller possession as a as someone selling their home recognize that a buyer cannot legally if they're financing the home they can't let you live there longer than 60 days yeah we actually learned that on real talk yeah because we were talking about this literally i'm not going to blow up his spot here but he was talking about how he was seeing seller possessions go 90 120 150 days and then multiple lenders watching the show and including some from out of state were saying that's mortgage fraud it's mortgage fraud it's That's legitimately more. I've heard of people handing it, handling it outside of the contract. So on the contract, well, that would be a rent back. But, but that is that's also mortgage that's fraud because that would be your fraud. primary residence. Then that's mortgage fraud. Yeah. So you know, and you'll see in the contract insurance. it'll show <laughs> in the contract. You'll I've I've heard of in the contract it'll say we'll do a sixty day lease back and then on a piece of notebook paper it'll say <laughs> like and another thirty days when that's over. You know so. Um, that's insur- that, I didn't even think about the insurance fraud. The, the, yeah. the insurance is insuring it as a primary residency as well. So normally, normally they ask if it's 30 days or 60 days, depending on the insurance company, that they're going to be occupying the home. Um, is the insurance different for the first 30 or 60 days because it's technically a tenant in there? No, they, they, uh, they, no, the insurance will still be in there. They just want to make sure that the owner is going to be occupying it within that time period. It, most companies are... It's the same thing with, with auto insurance. You know, if someone's moving out of state, they're like, well, I've got out-of-state tags and out-of-state driver's license. They get it. Like, you know, there's a certain time period that they normally allot for you to get everything switched over. Uh, most people do it in a reasonable time. Some people forget to, you know, switch their driver's license in the first 30 days, 60 days that they're moved to a state. There's a lot going on. Um, so there is, like, a little bit of an assumptive time period that, you know, you, you don't close and you necessarily have the moving truck right up there. If the you are deciding that you want to sell your house and pivot into another house, it's really important to understand your pricing strategy, too. You're going to oh, want you're to... Kind of talking, my, you're talking to the guy here. Yeah. My wife and I literally having this conversation over the dinner table. So t- explain this to me here. We live in Glenmore. Yeah. We bought it in March of 2020. There's obscene equity because in March of 2020, yeah. we thought the world was coming to an end. Right. We were touring open houses in March of 2020, legitimately wearing raincoats, plastic bags over our feet, yeah. mask, and latex and gloves. Suit. Yeah. And I had to take my clothes off in the garage. Yeah. Literally. That's what was <laughs> happening. But my wife and I said, if everyone PTSD. else is scared, let's do the Warren Buffett mentality yeah. and get greedy when everyone's scared. So yeah. we got a great deal. Yeah. And now it's 60% up in value. Yeah. But here's the problem. So is everything else. Yeah. And here's the problem. The rate's 6.9, and I got a 2.75. Yeah, right. Walk me through what we're going to do. Well, I mean, every when you go to Don't price move. a house, there's always a, yeah. there's always a range. It's, it, may be, it may be a pretty like narrowed-in range, but it's a range based on, okay, I could list this house somewhere between 3.90 and 4.05. If you need to sell and you need multiple offers, you need to err on the conservative side of the range of your pricing. If you put it most aspirationally and you start to accumulate days on market, all of your power as a seller goes away. That's great advice. If you want the terms most in your favor, list for three ninety. You're more likely to get four or five a waived inspection and a sixty day rent back than if you list it four or five and you get three ninety seven an inspection and no rent back. It's, and it it can be 
doing a comparative market analysis right now is it's been difficult for the last three it's, years. It's challenging. Why? Because the comps, uh, thirty day comp is dated. Thirty day comp is dated. Yeah, That's been a problem with appraisals from just, time to time. Just the 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 market is is changing so quickly. It is hard to gauge. Yeah. Um, and and I've seen realtors that have been in situations where they're like, if we list it on the lower end, we're going to get a multiple offer situation. Is that dirty? But they list it. No, a lot of people but, have issue with that strategy. But, but but this is this is almost for the realtor. But it it almost is too low, and then they end up with forty five offers or something like that, and it's it's a lot. It's it's stressing the buyers out. It, it's very difficult to hit kind of that sweet spot between not being overpriced, not yeah, being underpriced with where is. you're listing it, it because you can get multiple offers, but you can almost get too much. Well, you could turn buyers off from making offers if they people get PTSD right. from what's going on. Yeah, you know, you lose five times in a six offer situation. You walk into a house, you hear they have one other offer, you just turn and walk back out. Yep. I mean, keeping people in the game or or keeping people dispassionate is part of my job. And I don't, how do you do that? I, you just the moment you meet with them for the first time, you say, "Listen, I need you to try to get attached enough to a house to visualize whether or not you actually want it." But recognize that your purchasing power is such that this is going to be a process where we're going to lose a few times, and one day we're going to win, and you're going to love the house. And a lot of people, a lot of my clients, this have, guy's good at his job. A lot of my clients have won on houses that they would rather have. It just got very lucky. Like, oh, I'm so glad I lost on the other ten because this is the best house we offered on. But you know, it's it's a process. I have a. There's a lot of times where I have phone calls with people who are crying on the other end of the phone, and it's just hearing them out and saying. I understand this is extremely frustrating for you. I promise you it will happen. I've done this a thousand times. You have not, so this is all extremely raw and new to you. I've seen the trends of your transaction and a hundred other transactions I've done before. I promise you it will work out with you in the end. Just just stick with me here. Just hang tight. That's great advice. I love the empathy. And really good good agents as well. They... (laughs) You before you ever look at homes, it's sitting down and spending time with the client and learning about their situation, where they're coming from, what their like must-haves are, you know, what their wants are. Like there's there should be a lot of learning that goes on because you you could spend you could spend your wheels a lot, um, you know, going and looking at different properties. Yeah, we had la- last in. week we talked about uh, is it a good time to get in the market and maybe some tips for new agents. A tip for a new agent is be brutally honest about everything the first time you meet with somebody mm-hmm. because you don't. It's really easy if you're not if you don't have a paycheck to say, let me waste my time in the one percent chance this thing right. turns out. If you need to tell somebody the truth about their what they can do in the marketplace, and also not waste your time, the opportunity of t- cost of your time is extremely high. And if you're driving an hour away for a client who actually doesn't have the purchasing power to buy anything, either to be a nice guy or in the hope something happens, you're wasting both of your time. And that's yeah, it, yeah, it's doing them the disservice if yeah. you're not. Um, yeah. So. And people appreciate the honesty. Guys, comments coming fast and furious. This is from Todd Rath. He owns Blue Toad Hard Cider in Nelson County. He's also a real estate investor with multiple properties at Smith Mountain Lake. Okay. He says, have Jeremy or Taylor found any offers where the buyers say all the cash on the offer and come to find out it's truly not? I personally dealt with this on a deal that was delayed, so I penalized the buyer. Basically used all cash to get the contract. What would they do? Uh, we hear about that. Yeah. Don't you hear about the all cash, but then they go into a financing vehicle at closing? There are certain banks who uh, essentially can make their program look like all cash and then finance it quietly in the back end. I had clients who we made an all cash offer, and I was not aware 
that they were going to get financing. Is that sketch? I just told him, hey. Is that bait and switch? Misrepresenting? If, if there's no appraisals, maybe, I mean, it's misrepresenting for sure. I told mm-hmm. him, you know, at least I would have, I would have appreciated knowing. <laughs> You're there on their side. Yeah, I gotta, yeah but, but they, if you have enough cash down and you get an appraisal waived, it can be sort of six in one and a half dozen the other, but it's probably best to be up front with the seller. I mean, but I'm hearing about people, you know, making offers that they can't actually do in the hope that the seller will be too scared to relist the house and call them in breach and just capitulate 15 days from now. What? Yeah. That's a hell of a bluff. Yeah. You want to touch on any of this, Jeremy? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I haven't... So a few of the situations that I've seen, most of the time if someone says they're coming in with cash, uh, I, I've seen those have gone through as cash offers. Um, you know, a, a good a good seller's agent is going to want to see some proof of all that. A good, you know... They're, they're going to want some verification. If someone's, What's that, a bank if someone's got a cash, yeah, a bank statement or portfolio, or a stock portfolio account. account. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, there, and yeah, I truly believe that most people are are in are trying to do good. Uh, they want to do right. So I have seen in some instances where someone has said, "I'm going to be pursuing a small loan for this property. Maybe they want to do some repair work." Or but something. I have the cash. but I have the cash to I've, do it. I've, now, That's there's verbiage genuinely. you can put in the contract that says, "I intend to finance this, but it's a cash purchase. If something goes wrong, I will make you whole with I, cash." I will make it whole with cash. Yeah, and, and that is that is probably that's the way that should be done. Yeah, um, because you're telling the seller as a buyer, rest assured, I can pay. Here's where here's how I can pay for this, but. I also want to do a few things, and I'm, it's, it's the most honest way in the full disclosure saying, I'm going to be pursuing this loan. Everything should be good. Here's my assets to show that I could pay for this in cash. Um, and that way you don't, have to, you don't have to be tricky. Just be honest with the situation. And that's a perfectly reasonable offer, and mm-hmm. if anything, it shows you know, more financial viability because yeah, they're going right. to get approved for a loan and you got the cash to cover it. Right. Spencer so. says, so there's degrees of all cash buyers? Uh, in, uh, sort of. I mean, <laughs> yes and no. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, Neil Williamson, hello. Free Enterprise Forum presidents watching the show. So is the Daily Progress. Degrees of all cash buyers. Show is yours on that topic. You mean, describe, what does that mean? I mean, there's, like, there, there's the guy that's clearly super, super wealthy, that yeah. legitimately has no problem, guy or gal, yeah. can buy it all cash, doesn't even have to mention the financing in the contract. Then there's the person that is yeah. considering the financing and the contract because they see the opportunity cost of spending 500 grand on a house, a million on a house, instead of putting it in the markets where they could get six, eight percent, whatever the return is. Yeah. Now, a couple of years ago, when the rates were two and a half, this was probably more common. You know, now that it's seven, it may not be the same. Calculus. Because you would be more inclined to go all cash because I, you got a seven. Yeah, I had clients who I had clients who at two seven five. Why would you buy a million? We're cash buying months? things in cash, but the money was so cheap. They yeah. they thought I'm just going to keep my liquidity, not sink this in the house. I have the cash offer, but I'm just going to finance it at two and a half, and mm-hmm. and uh, it's a long play on market appreciation and uh, and tenants paying off the paying this mm-hmm. this low cost of cash for me, and they've done extremely well <laughs> doing that. I like that approach. I mean, when it comes to the degrees of cash offers, I mean, you've got everything from someone sold a business or they've, they've, uh, they just have the ability. They just sold a house and they're moving down and, and like, mm-hmm. they're probably buying a home with cash and they've got, they could buy a second one if they wanted it. Like, they just have that, yeah. that extra They're putting reserve. a house into a house. Right. They're not showing their savings account. Exactly. Yeah. And, and then there's, um, 
there's some people that are doing like 1031 exchanges. They sold an yeah. investment property and they're trying yeah. to avoid capital gains. So they're using that exact amount of cash that they had to right. roll another property. Yeah. Um, and then there's some, and, and these are, I think are fewer and far between that they are, they're emptying all known sources of, you know, whether it's stocks or, or sometimes retirement savings accounts. Um, That's more likely people. on finance offers, to be honest. People with the low down, like the the entry level buyer with three percent down, are more likely to completely deplete, yeah. deplete their savings. Yeah, and, and th- those are very those are very rare. But but it it is a market now that I've seen people reaching for some things that they've never had to do before. They're desperate. Yeah. So for sure. um, and the problem with the four hundred one k route is you got some serious capital gains exposure if you do that. Mm-hmm. And 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 in in some instances that I've I've come across. Um, it used to be that you would have co-signers on mortgages for uh, your credit, but I'm seeing some that it is co-signers for a higher down payment for qualification for qualifications, and and it is uh, you know properties in and around Charlottesville, and it's like we needed more cash, and in order to do that, we had to have. Someone else help us. So that's mom and dad getting on? Well, yeah, mom, and, mom and dad don't have to co-sign in order to gift funds. But, but there's a certain amount that they can gift. They can yeah, only gift up right, to a certain amount. Right, right. And the funds have to be seasoned before yeah, the LO. Right. That's right. Right? Mm-hmm. And what's the seasoning of the funds? I guess it depends on the, lo- the LO. I don't, I don't exactly know, but, but yeah. a time frontier. But it has to be traceable funds. I can't just pull cash out of the drawer. Right, right. I yeah. think the giftable amount is either twenty or 25000 I think it's 20000 I think it's 20K. So, and that one, that one I don't think has to be, yeah. but... But I, there have been instances on some of these, you know, 1.4, 1.5 million dollar homes that are in town, and you know, it is it's a couple that's in town. They got some grandkids, and it's also you know a, a parent that's on there as well, and they're putting down you know 450, 500 thousand uh, in order to win, yeah, win a house. Right. Um, this has come in for Taylor specifically in the setting that you talk about where you have to sell your house to buy another one and you risk being homeless. Have you actually seen someone not win the deal and then get stuck without a place to live? Thank you for that question, Grayson. I would scare the hell out of my I wife. I haven't. Man. That wouldn't scare it's me. Really, that would scare my wife. It's been really close. I am pretty relaxed me during too. all transactions, you know, and I'm not a panicker. But last year, there was one time where I started to feel not visibly to my client. It was very calm to my client. But when I went home, I was thinking, okay, we're getting, we're getting close now. Um, it was a family with kids? Yeah. Dang. Yeah. Young kids? Yeah. Wow. Really young. Really young. So and what were you talking about? They sold their house. They wanted to buy another one? Yeah. They sold their house, and they were moving to a more established mm-hmm. neighborhood. And in the process of selling their house, prices jumped and supply got extremely constrained and then they like voluntarily constrained their budget because the payment went up for, um, and I started to feel the squeeze on I'm not actually sure that this exists, the I house ex- they need that exists. we got extremely lucky and I think this is an instance of the 1% of times when a, you have a benevolent seller because uh, they wrote a buyer's love letter to that seller, and there's no way that we were the highest offer. It's just not conceived. I just can't. It's not possible. Like, I don't know that, but I've done this enough. I think we came in, like, at the asking price in April of last year in wow. Lake Monticello and won. There's no way that we were the highest offer. That, that was a con. That was, that, that was a. Was that your most stressful a, transaction? 
No. Really? No, 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 that, I'm stressed right here. No, no, that wasn't the most stressful. The most stressful are the ones where like the seller calls you and cusses you out or something like that, which is actually it, situationally kind of funny from time to time. But um, it was one where my I was probably most one of my most emotionally invested situations because they are just a, a grade A family and real, just the greatest people and you want something to work out for these folks and I was very pleased that it did. Yeah. That's great. And I think I think it is human nature to go through all of the horrible what if situations and yeah. like there's my watch does that every gen- day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, the, the general fear of the unknown and like Sorry, sweetheart. you know, it, it's you know, I, I often, you know, said, you know, when you're when you're buying a home, you're not buying a toaster. Like this isn't like a $25 purchase or something like that. You know, it's a big move, and so there's a lot of concerns and things that go through buyers' minds. Um, but I, I've yet to come across a situation where where someone was truly, you know, homeless. Even in the home building world, you know, we've helped people bridge, you know, a short period of time where something didn't go go quite right. Um, and I've always used the expression, you know. Everything good or bad in my life has led me to exactly where I'm sitting right now with you all here on the radio. And not, life's not always smooth. Life's not always easy. Um, but, you know, here I am, which is a great thing. Yeah. And, 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 you know, for the buyers, um, you have a great agent. You know, you trust the process. Um, and there's an element of faith that goes into it. But, um, you know, if you have to move or you need to move, like, you, you, can't, you can't be scared. Um, and you can so. extend your time in the house uh, by extending your under contract period. But so you could be under contract for sixty days and then rent it back for an additional sixty days and essentially get one hundred twenty days in your house. But that under That's contract period is a lot of uncertainty. And yeah, a lot of things can go wrong. So yeah. the macro headline this morning, gentlemen, was uh, mortgage demand um, at a low that we have not seen since February. That was the macro headline. Grayson's asking the question, he's a finance guy, is this a short-term hit for local car in the Central Virginia real estate market, or does he expect Taylor and Jeremy for it to be a longer hit? Finance, uh, refinancing of houses is, is at a very, very low, um, obviously, yeah. as well. Yeah, um, He might be more qualified to answer that question than I am. <laughs> um, Mortgage demand drops to the lowest level in three months is the macro headline. I'm not sure it's going to – that's that's nationally, right? Nationally, 6.91 last week from 6.69 on a 30 fix with conforming loan balances at 726 or higher – or less, excuse me. So I did not not bring my crystal ball with me today. Yeah. but but <laughs> got I, one over there. I, I, I <laughs> Literally. Like, I, I, have, I have never seen anything sit still for very long within the housing market. Like, normally when there's, like, a reaction in one direction, there's something that will, will ping-pong it back. I mean, it's, it's much more like a game of ping-pong than anything. Um, it, if it's at a – this might not be the low. Maybe, maybe there's a lower point to it. Um, yeah. But normally when there is a low, there's normally – I, I jump back up. So I, I don't, I know uh, uh, Scott, Scott has stuck his neck out there a few, a few times. He said on, at the end rates. of the year, below five. Uh, below, yeah, sub five. So I, um, I, I, really, I really don't know. The, the biggest thing that I would really like to see uh, as, far as, as far as rates is, is more just some stability and continuity than anything because 
each time, each time That's that it goes human down and then it goes up and everything. Like I like, it's the exact opposite of what I just said. Like yeah. I'm saying it plays ping pong with yeah. itself. Um, but really I think it's every time it jumps in one direction or another, it just makes people freeze. Um, yeah. you know, whether it's going down is if it's going down, is it going to go down lower or if it's going up, do I need to wait it out a little bit lower? Yeah. Um, I wanted to say on the last show too, is that, you know, uh, people are, you know, afraid to make a move. If you talk to people that bought homes in, uh, in 2020, they were like, oh my gosh, you know, interest rates are going up. I'm paying three and a half percent, four percent. Like prices are like way higher than they were in 2018. The same buyers in March of 2020 are also like, man, I'm glad I did it then, you know? So, and who's to say like, buying a home today, people aren't going to look back in a year or two's time and be like, glad I bought it then. Um, so it's just I think that's possible I think that totally is possible yeah Yeah. it's possible Uh, one thing I will say is that our marketplace is less sensitive to extreme variable trends than probably the national 100% marketplace Um, UVA 6 billion yearly economic impact on Central Virginia 300,000 person market military spy defense a 1.2 billion dollar yearly economic impact on this 300,000 person market those two industries alone carrying yeah. the weight and then we got the finance we got the the technology we got you guys with real estate that's carrying yeah. economy here locally i mean it's yeah. a great market as these things seed in and become long standing trends will become more they'll they'll infiltrate here but a, a one day thing is not going to or a one weekend thing is not going to mm-hmm. affect us do you want to get to uh, the other take um, on upzoning? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, so the, the take on upzoning, it's percolating now in the city. They're trying to create more density. The economics 101 is if you create more inventory, maybe prices will diminish. I'm not buying it. I think if you take land and make it more opportunistic where you can put more units, rooftops, and beds on that land, that land has more value. Mm-hmm. If that land has more value, it's going to be more expensive. It's right. going, if it's more expensive, whoever buys it is going to want to return because it's more expensive and yeah. they're buying it. Okay. I don't think upzoning does affordability, but you guys are the experts. Anywhere you want to go on upzoning. I'll let you take I don't let think it does affordability. This. I think it, somewhere, depending on where it is in town, it, it could cause some heartburn among existing homeowners. I mean, in my neighborhood, I don't want it to become a... Uh, and they've already six done their best. Six plex next to you? You yeah, don't want a six right. plex next to you? Yeah. I don't want frat parties in my neighbor's house every day. Um, but, uh, I mean, can we talk about the infrastructure in town, too? I, I mean, do I, do I want uh, four people living where one person used to live and now I really can't get down 250 towards Pantops at 5 p.m.? I mean, the road's already backed up an hour. Take some of my tax dollars and reinvest it in the infrastructure around town before we upzone, please. Amen, brother. Uh, unique take from you, especially since you're in the real estate business. A lot of the folks in your game want rooftops and beds and doors at any cost or any expense. I love your take because it was genuine. Yeah. You're concerned of quality of life. Yeah, 100%. That's the first agent I've ever heard 100%. say that about upzoning and new inventory. 100%. Anywhere you want to go on this. I respect that, though. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's... Can I interject right before you yeah, go? Yeah, 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 go for it. All right. Prices are going to go up regardless. It's like quality of life also is conducive to higher prices. My income doesn't, is, is, is positive either way. You know, I definitely want more inventory to sell, but if I sell two houses at $100,000 or one house at $200,000, I make the same amount of money. And, and do less work. And I do less and work. And the second scenario. Exactly right. Yeah, so, it's good. Good anyway, call. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I was... I, I, uh, 
I enjoy getting in little mental debates with myself. I, I can't I can't pick like one side per se on this because I always try to think through what's the counterpoint on on the other side. So, uh, in in on one side, it does increase the inventory, and that's one of the things that you know we could certainly need is more. Um, uh, more opportunities. Our, our job market, as you just pointed out, is going to continue to grow. Um, people are going to continue to move here. And, you know, the options are going to be we're either able to to build uh, closer into the city or people have to move further away. Um, at the same time, you know, we've, we've seen locations like uh, Crozet has exploded over the last 25, 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, they they are working to and implementing more structural you know mm-hmm. um, uh, changes to help manage the population that's there. It was yeah. almost that the population was there first, and then they kind of uh, have focused on making access- accessibility you know easier for for getting around. Um, you know, if there's a wreck on 250, it affects a ton of people coming into work. Oh yeah. Um, so so the. It's not. It's not one or the other. I mean, if there's going to be zoning, there's got to be other things that are going to have to be factored into that in order to accommodate for that growth in the population. Um, at the same time, you know, Taylor, to your point, you said, you know, whether you sell two one hundred thousand dollar homes or a two hundred thousand dollar home, uh, the more likely scenario is if that was a two hundred thousand dollar home and they built two, they're probably going to be two one fifty thousand dollars. That's, that's homes also true. Or two two hundred thousand yeah, right. dollar homes. So I don't see. I don't see the prices. You know. Uh, um, Referenced them before, but you know, Dave Ramsey said, if you're waiting for the price of homes to go down, it's not going to happen. They might not go up as steep. We might not see, you know, them being twenty percent. Because we have that demand segment still. The the demand segment is there, but over the next five years, prices are not going to be coming down. They're still going to be going up. Um, And the luxury goods. I mean, if you take non-luxury goods and then just upzone them, the luxury goods become exponentially more expensive as well. Yeah. And, yeah. and it seems like common sense. It's, and yeah. I'm sure I'm sure I'm oversimplifying. It's no, not, I don't think it's not, a, it's not a blanket policy where every neighborhood in town is going to be upzoned, but it's it's situational. And I guarantee there's a lot of people who are uh, not on my lawning it that are probably also supporting it at the same time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, not in my backyard. Yeah, the NIMBYs. Yeah. yeah. Um, Neil Williamson says, now he's the president of the Free Enterprise Forum, um, a lobbyist, a guy who drives policy. Um, he says more housing everywhere for everyone. He's a huge proponent of upzoning. Um, Neil, I love when you watch the program. We, we love the Free Enterprise Forum, uh, my friend, and donate and help um, the Free Enterprise Forum. Um, I think you guys are completely on point. I'm really curious to see when upzoning becomes a reality, how value or momentum is going to go behind the HOA neighborhoods because those covenants mm-hmm. and restrictions mm-hmm. supersede the policy yeah. and the laws from city council. So mm-hmm. there's like 12 or 14 HOA or POA neighborhoods in the city of Charlottesville. Those will be protected from the upzoning. I'm willing to bet that those neighborhoods are going to uptick in value even more than normal because the folks sprinting to those neighborhoods are not going to want a sixplex next to them, six cars parked in front of their house, and all the stuff that comes with it. Jeremy's got something to say. Yeah. I, you disagree? I mean, so, no, no, not at all. I mean, we're definitely uh, – anything that's going to be protected in that way because, again, human nature – I don't think anyone, once someone's settled in their location, especially if you're building new construction, if you're building, if you're building a home, the people that lived around you are sad to see whatever lot you're building on change. It's just a change. Mm-hmm. Like, um, 
And, and so most people do not want to see that change taking place around them. I don't care if it's, you know, you're, you're building you know, townhomes or if it's going to be condos or something like that. Um, there's always going to be someone that's going to be upset when you have a change mm-hmm. like this. Right. It's just going to happen. Um, I certainly agree with you that those, those neighborhoods that are going to be uh, protected in that regard um, are, are going to see an increase in their value. Um, especially for, depending on where you are and how long it's been established in Charlottesville, um, we are seeing there's very few half-acre home sites that are being built. Oh, the land it went from half-acre to quarter-acre. It went from quarter-acre to fifth of an acre home sites. And now if you can get a 12 by 14 patio on the rear of your home, congratulations. That's, that's, uh, that's a lot of land. Um, so that's going to be... That's, that has already been changing, and it's going to continue to change with the upzoning and, and the amount of space. So anytime you're going to have a location, I don't care how old the home is, with just a little bit more elbow room, it's going to have that value. Great take. Um, this is from Waynesboro. Kevin Yancey, my brother-in-law closed on his first home March 3rd, 2023. Multiple offer scenario. Everyone wanted a home inspection. He waived it to win the deal. He won the deal. Before he made the second payment of his mortgage, the sewer collapsed. 17000 to repair and replace. Well, that might not be found in a home inspection anyway, right? I don't think the sewer would be found in the no, home inspection. No, not, no. Not necessarily. That's the line but that connects the house to the, uh, under the, the ground. The main to the, sewer main. Yeah. How does I've a home inspector... I've never seen a home inspector snake uh, a sewer by, main. By the way, make sure you have service line coverage endorsed on your homeowner's policy. That does have to be added on in order for that to be covered. Really? Uh, it's not an included I've had to replace that. That's a very expensive replacement. It is. That happened uh, to my uh, Taylor house in Redfields. Taylor did it. <laughs> I dug up my water main. <laughs> yeah. You did it yourself? Uh, well, no. I have a galvanized steel water main, and I, was, I went in my basement, and it sounded like I had a whooshing sound, so I was worried I had a gas leak which I don't think actually makes a whooshing sound, but that was my ignorance at the time. <laughs> my father gets a random phone call from me about once a week, probably shaking his head thinking he failed as a parent. But, um, I don't think he thinks but, he uh, failed. I went outside, and I, I realized it was coming into the, uh, the water line in the house. So I went outside, and I looked directly in front of my house, and I had some wet dirt, and I thought, well, I can fix this. So uh, I dug Got about a, a four-foot hole and found it and found the leak. But the type of pipe that I have is um, not used or in that size anymore, so I couldn't patch it. Because that time, your, ho- your home was built in what year? I think 1965 or seven. Yeah. But so the, the plumber that came out to ultimately fix it told me that uh, in 35 years, I was the first person to dig up their own water <laughs> leak in the front yard. So I would expect nothing else <laughs> yeah. from you. Yeah. So to get back to Mr. Yancey's question or yes. the statement there, um, so I wouldn't say the home inspection would have caught that. Yeah. But normally when there's a home, it would be very odd for it to just be we happen to find the one thing that was wrong. So uh, normally if something happened that quickly after it, that, that I wouldn't have been surprised there would have been a few other items that would have come up yeah, on a home true. inspection as a result. Um, yeah, that, that per se it might not necessarily be there, but they do do exterior looks over the home. It's not just the interior. So, right, right. Um, that is not an uncommon thing. You know, like I said, the service line coverage is something that does have to be endorsed in a home policy. It covers buried utility lines from the home to the street. So anything that's underground. Those are public utilities in a lot of cases. So, you know, public water and sewer, but it is the homeowner's responsibility when it's on their property. Yeah, so if that does get right. damaged, uh, and that, that has happened. Um, and if you have an old house, you likely have a galvanized steel pipe, which means that it's about to die. Yep. Um, <laughs> it, it is it, in most in most properties. I, I make sure that I have that on there. Um, really, anything over fifteen to twenty years, I, I I automatically add that on there because 
Um, there are actually companies out there that send letters and they say, are your service line coverage, you know, covered for $20 a month? Well, we'll ensure that. And I, I have clients that will send me the letters and say, do I need this? And I said, no, I already have it on your policy and you're paying three bucks a month yep. for it, not 22. Three bucks a month it's, to, it's, to protect it's that not line? A lot. It, it's, it's this probably, is great it's advice probably right 30 there. or $35 a year to add on that service line. Coverage. I've had to replace that. It cost me, I forget the bill, but it was thousands of yeah, dollars. You probably Redfield's a couple house. grand. Most yeah. service line policies covered up to either 10 or $20,000. Ten thousand dollars, about right. I mean, probably you're somewhere around eighty five hundred and nine thousand. That's great yeah, advice. That's, great. that's so. great advice. He says even worse, it was Orangeburg pipe. Oh, was it a terracotta? Was it? Yeah, I don't know what uh, Orangeburg pipe is, Kevin. I think you got three guys over here that have no idea what, what that Orangeburg is. What that pipe is. Is Tell all. us more about that, Kevin. We got two uh, realtors asking questions. First, let's go to Roger Voisinet of Remax. Yeah. He says this. One positive outcome of this that I know of is a two hundred foot. By five by fifty lot I have on East Market Street and uh and a dead end sixteenth street. Shit, where did that question go? I'm dropping profanities here on my talk show. Um, <laughs> hold on one second. Roger, your thing just disappeared. I gotta get that uh comment because it was a good one. I'm now going to the uh to the okay, here it is. Um so Roger, he is um Mr. Woolen Mills, lives down Market Street. Um Remax, great guys, come on this network. I'll repeat it again. One positive outcome of this that I know of is a 200 foot by 50 lot I have on East Market Street and a dead end 16th Street. This is a corner lot with road frontage on both sides. Currently, I am restricted to just the one rental home on the 50 foot East Market side. Mm. The remaining land is flat with the road frontage on the dead end street. In the future, I should be able to build three to four cottages mm. a la Ross Chapin or Sarah Suzanska's not so big house book. The result will be four more nice, small, detached homes with little backyards and off-street parking, city winds, and three or more new homeowners in a location within walking distance to downtown. That's yeah. awesome, Roger. That's great, yeah. yeah. And, and I, think with, I think with some of the subzoning, it's not, it's not either or. I mean, there's a lot. That's a great example of the and. There's going to be some instances where, you know, it could be, um, you know, more congested. But I think that's a perfect example well, of gonna opportunity. Be, that sounds lovely. And there's going to yeah. be instances of people coming in and throwing up extremely low-quality buildings and uh, charging people too much and without a great agent to know the quality of things people are going to buy thing, assets that are going to be more headaches than the substitutable good right down the road what do you think about that Jeremy I, I, I agree um, uh, it, that, that is a possibility but there's also a lot of quality construction companies that are in the area so they, oh, they that, could no do doubt, no um, doubt no so, doubt and, and I wouldn't um, I, think, I think we have more quality around here than we do that but, but right now I mean it is you it's difficult to build at a good price point, but yeah. I'm hoping the market also can, can carry uh, that quality. I, I was thinking about, um, uh, wasn't there, it was a headline that I saw, so I'm going to need you guys to help me out here, but uh, over on um, JPA, there's a couple of those uh, like older stone cottages, and I thought I saw a headline where one of those, uh, that land might actually be coming up for uh, Tim Carson has the listings right now. He's got two listings on JPA, the uh, Cherry Avenue side of JPA. They're active. He's got it listed in both commercial and residential on the MLS. You, I think, are referencing Tim Grossman's listings on Shamrock. Yeah. He came on the yeah. show. Yeah. Okay. Grossman had two listings that he's held for 20 years. Friend of the program, Tim Grossman, yeah. uh, also of Remax. I know Tim. I've known yeah. Tim since Tim's good guy. There. Yeah. Great uh, tennis yeah. player. Um, he um, sold these two listings 
purely with the speculative um, upzoning driving the, the factor. He was an out-of-market buyer. I think he got 1.6 or 1.7, mm-hmm. and he would even admit this, so I'm not speaking out of turn. Both these properties needed tremendous TLC. The cap rate did not justify 1.7, but the upzoning got this out-of-market buyer to purchase because they see the possibilities of 2, 3Xing the mm-hmm. apartments right. on Je- Jefferson Park Avenue, which is a hop, skip, and a jump from grounds. Yeah. Yep. So that I think that's the one that's, you're referencing. That, that might be it, and like, it, and that's the case. And you know, there's certainly there's certainly some homes that could uh, uh, could either use major updating, oh, for sure, or could use something like that where um, where the upselling is a possibility, and we we can increase it. So I think that's uh, that's a great example there. But I was just trying to think, and and that's why I turned to you guys because I just saw the headline yeah, in passing, and I was like trying to remember. I love this show because I, I, mean, I love local, like you guys, I love just being in the know locally. And the good thing about this show is you guys are smart and experts at what you do. And then the viewers and listeners are chiming in. So we're like crowdsourcing yeah. a lot of knowledge. Yeah. For example, Orangeburg Pipe, maybe 11 people are telling us what Orangeburg okay. Pipe is right now. <laughs> That's good. Thank um, you. It was pipe that was used during World War II when steel was rationed. It's yeah, okay, yeah. wood pulp and tar formed into a pipe. Yeah. Another person describes it like this on a different Facebook page. Terracotta, it's absolutely horrible terracotta, stuff yeah. for a house. This from Kelsey who says, we had to replace this. It's awful stuff. Um, I'm hearing this from everybody here. So evidently it completely bad, sucks. Yeah. Timothy Williams says you're doing amazing right now. He's giving you some props on your Facebook page. Awesome. Um, this comment has come in. Roger's watching in Pensacola, Florida. Um, he left that comment. He's literally in Pensacola watching. Dan Pettit of Real Estate 3, he's got a great forehand too. He says, um, specifically for you, is there foundation coverage for a house? So it, it is... Uh, and this, he's actually going to educate his clients on what you're saying here. That, so. that is... Um, that's a bit of a broad brush to ask about. So... Um, so insurance is is in place to protect for an event that happens. So something has to happen in order for insurance to to kind of take in. Um, so an, an example being, um, you know, earthquake coverage. We we had an earthquake in Mineral, Virginia, um, and there are certain instances where uh, if if you had earthquake endorsed on your policy, which is. Hmm, is an option for most insurance companies. And in Virginia, I have some people as a result of the mineral event that added onto their coverage, but it is not always an included coverage on your policy. And the event of something like that is that's happening. If you have that endorsed in your policy, if there was an earthquake and the foundation was affected as a result, that's an insurable event and that is something that is covered. Now, there are instances where it's general wear and tear or it's poor construction or it's something along those lines doesn't necessarily mean that it is an insurable event. So it, it, insurance isn't there necessarily to fix everything that's going to happen for a home, but it insures against certain perils. So uh, yes and no, <laughs> depending on the nature of, of what is happening to the foundation. Good feedback. So maybe yes, maybe no yes. Exactly. I mean, like it, it, most things in insurance, you know, questions that I get, uh, it, it is sometimes yes, sometimes no. It, it really depends on what the effect is. Uh, another good example for foundations is um, water is the number one claim. Water claims are the number one claims for homes. Um, and there's different types of water. 
Um, there is sudden and accidental, which would be like a pipe burst or a roof leak. Uh, then there is um, backup of water or sub-pump overflow and discharge. So in the instance of a sub-pump failing, if you have backup of water on the policy and it were to affect the foundation, or if you have seepage and leakage coverage that's on there, if it seeps in through there and it can affect the foundation, that's another example of where the, the uh, event itself is the water damage and it can affect the foundation. What about water outside so. of a cinder foundation causing it to buckle in? Uh, it, it's going to depend on the type of coverage that you have on the home okay. policy. Um, you know, there are some instances where that can happen. There are other instances that it might it's, not be it's covered. It's pretty gradual, um, so you should be, I guess you would do in pre there, Again, it has to be an event. If it's like a long-term thing that's really, permeating, yeah, it's okay. not necessarily a claimable yeah, thing. Right. Uh, it's poor home maintenance. Yeah, right. Um, and that's one of the things that some people forget when it comes to home insurance is there's an... You own something. So that's a common. You have to take. You have yeah. to take care of it. Um, a, a big one that I see too is not all, uh, you know, pests or, or, or you know, um, uh, mold is a great example. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of insurance policies don't cover against mold damage, but that's also being a good home, yeah. uh, homeowner. Right. Um, running a dehumidifier in your basement or a crawl space, but. In the instance where, say, there was a pipe burst and water was created as a result of the pipe, the event is the water bursting. Right, and so, right. therefore, the mold remediation is part of the water cleanup coverage. So, it's, it's normally yes and no. It depends on the situation. Um, and Jeremy, that's an underwriter's job or, or an appraiser's job. Jeremy's doing a hell of a job today. It's Taylor as well. We're trying to get to as many of these as possible with about five minutes left. A lot of agents watching. Um, Katie Pearl, Keller Williams Alliance, welcome to the show. Um, Ness Realty, your colleagues are all over the show. Long and Foster all over the show. Um, Real Estate 3 all over the show. And our friends at Howard Hanna all over this. Mike, is it Moles? Mike Moles? Yeah, giving you some serious props right now as Excellent. well. Um, evidently, and Dan says, thank you for asking. Um, and yes, that is some knowledge for him, Good. from you. Um, Dan, you're, you're welcome to reach out to me yeah, if you'd like. Call I'd be Jeremy. glad to answer any more questions. Anyone that has more information <laughs> and wants more information on this, reach out to Jeremy. Um, anything 1950s or earlier is probably going to be that type of piping outside. Kind of piping. Evidently. It, yeah. Um, I've it, seen it fail. I, I, I had one fail. Um, that exact type of piping. I didn't, I didn't know it by that name, uh, but I knew it more as that terracotta type piping yeah. uh, over in Augusta County, same time period for the home. Um, there's a lot of brick ranches that were built in that time period that had that. Uh, and that's something, I mean, it can, it can be something as simple as a, um, a grader running over the ground and it cracks underneath. Yeah. Driving through the the terracotta sounds like almost in the same category as a quest plumbing yeah. that terrifies buyers. Yeah. The quest plumbing is guys the uh it's like the gray tubing with the wrong fittings that often leak. That scares some folks as well. Yeah, there it's all over town. And there's some neighborhoods that if you want to be in them you're just gonna have to accept that it exists. And then you just take it out and replace you just it. Just take it out and replace it. It could be fixed. Five um, to seven K, I think, the Quest replacement. Yeah. yeah. And, and, Depending and on the size of the house. I know people that have been in homes with Quest plumbing for 30 years and they've never had an issue whatsoever. Yeah, it's not definitely it, it is not. Um, there's different factors that they've looked into, like how long the pipes were exposed to light. Um, you know, the, the quality of the water can affect whether Quest, Quest plumbing will fail. Um, some insurance companies won't insure it at all. Some mm -hmm. will insure any type of plumbing as yeah. long as it's never had an issue. And then if it has had an issue, then they won't do it. Right. Some insurance companies don't care at all. So, um, some insurance companies won't insure a house that has Quest plumbing. 
Oh, a lot of a lot of insurance companies. Won't How do they find out about that? Uh, it can happen in a couple of ways. In the same way uh, we were talking about home inspections earlier, just about every insurance company does some sort of inspection themselves. Um, on whether a it's on in, a computer, uh, or they send somebody to the location. They, they send someone to the location. Um, some agents go out and actually take photos of the homes. Uh, some insurance companies now they allow the customer to do it. Generally, they're looking for things like they want to see interior photos of. Uh, the water heater to see how old it is, the HVAC equipment to see the age. The water heater will also generally show what type of plumbing is in the home. Um, the electrical panel, they want to see if it's uh, you know, an, an updated circuit breaker box or if it's knob and tube or Federal Pacific. They want to see what type is in there. Those are generally the photos they want to see. They don't really care if there's wallpaper on the walls. Um, some will take pictures of the kitchen just to see the, the quality. It gives you the, kind of a quality check because... Uh, that's normally the best indication for um, the, the level of fit and finish within a home is the kitchen. Some will ask for a picture underneath the sink to see what that main water uh, is um, uh, or what type of plumbing is in the home. Um, and, and, and the last thing they normally will look at is the main line into the home. A lot of homes, especially older homes, that is galvanized. Mm-hmm. Um, insurance yeah. companies don't care if that's galvanized, but a lot don't want the interior plumbing of the home to be galvanized right. plumbing anymore. Right. So very good stuff. Um, Katie Pearl, is Quest are Quest leaks covered under homeowners policies? If the insurance company insures Quest Plumbing, then yes. If it is, uh, it, we were getting back to uh, actual knowledge of the situation. Mm-hmm. So if if a if an insurance company has insured a property uh, and either the homeowner didn't know or it wasn't uh, it wasn't known by the agent or wasn't known at the inspection if a home had Quest plumbing or not. If a home has a finished basement, it's very hard to see a lot of the plumbing that's in the home. Um, so in the event that there would have been an issue with that and no one had any actual knowledge that a home had Quest plumbing in it, an insurance company, if they don't typically insure Quest, normally will cover that claim, but you're probably going to get a letter immediately after that saying we, we choose to no longer cover your home as a result. Really? Mm-hmm. Dang. Yeah. Oh, it, 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 there's the... That is uh, um, across the United States, and not necessarily in our area. There's been a lot of letters that have been sent out over the last, and there will be more throughout 2023 on carriers that are no longer taking risks for certain homes or certain elements within homes. And why is that? Just because um, instability markets, everything we're all facing? It, it is. Uh, I touched on it briefly in the last show, but um, underwriting losses in 2022, so the amount that insurance companies paid out, uh, was extremely high. A lot of insurance companies right now are trying to get out of the red and back into the black in terms of profitability. So they're taking on more, they're focusing on preferred business and they're taking less risks. So uh, there are a number of insurance companies. And again, Charlottesville, Albemarle, our surrounding area is actually one of the lowest um, uh, loss ratio locations in the United States. But there, there's a number of locations in the coastal regions of Virginia, um, not necessarily my agency because I don't write a whole lot of business there, but I've had colleagues that have had business there, and they've had um, some insurance companies that have sent letters to all of their, uh, their customers in, in certain counties that have said, um, we will be discontinuing our coverage of your home as of this date. Um, and uh, shoot. Uh, due to underwriting losses, I think uh, it was State Farm, and, and State Farm is no longer writing homeowners policies in the state of California. I, Carly um, Wagner, I heard this week State Farm is no longer offering fire insurance in California. There it is. Um, that's huge. Um, 
It's Pro- huge. Progressive insurance in, in locations in Because there's fires in California. Right. Um, these, are, these are major companies. Progressive is the number two auto insurance provider in the United States, uh, behind State Farm at number one. Um, and uh, in, 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 in their home division, and you, know, you can bundle with Snapshot, but in, um, in Texas, if a roof is older than two years, they're, in certain locations of Texas, they're not going to write a home policy if the roof is older than two years. In the Tidewater area, Virginia is older than four years. Um, Progressive is one of the carriers that I have. It's one of the seven, 70 carriers that I write with. Um, and, and so I have to be very careful as I'm looking at different homes in different situations. So these insurance companies are tightening up their appetite, it, not only you know, uh, for certain things that they're looking at, but certain locations. Um, again, I have, I have more options here where we're located in central Virginia than what most locations do. Um, and there are some insurance companies that are small enough that they target specifically. We're only appointing agents this side of Richmond, uh, and we're not touching Northern Virginia. And they'll only write business. They only want to write business uh, in, the, in the Shenandoah Valley, the 6481 corridor, this side of Richmond, um, which I find interesting. Um, some companies are small enough that they can do that. Um, Todd had a townhome in Virginia Beach that all the units had Quest. Lost all insurance unless we pr- replaced all the units. 58 of 60 said yes. Could not move forward without replumbing. We sold and moved out. Lloyd's of London was the only one that would insure these townhomes oh. in Virginia Beach. Mm-hmm. It was nuts. Wow. That's literally why he moved. Yep. Um, Stephanie says, bring Jeremy and Taylor back. Thank you for watching, Stephanie. They're doing a hell of a job. I totally agree. Um, Katie says, State Farm also no longer covers homeowners' policies in the state of Florida. My uncle was a State Farm agent there for years, and it wiped out so much of his book of business, he had to move to Alabama. Wow. Um, This, in 2022, State Farm lost $18.2 billion. Yeah, and, and 18.2 billion? In, in, is that right? Yeah, it is. Uh eight, it was uh I thought it I thought it was 13.8 billion and uh but it might have been 18. Uh in 2021, I think it was only like 4.3 or 4.8 billion in in losses and then in 2022 it went up to 13.8. And I will say this, State Farm about book I, value though? That, no, that that is that is claims paid out. Oh, wow. Now, I think it was 13.8. Maybe 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 I'm wrong. Maybe it was 18, but um billion and half of those were what's called catastrophic losses, which is uh, the loss either encompassed the entire amount of the, the coverage. If your home's insured for $350,000. billion. You were 13. right. 13.2. Okay. Yeah. Um, it, 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 a catastrophic loss, I think it was close to 50% or like $7 billion of that, was catastrophic. So it either affected the entire home where they had to pay out for the entirety of the policy or it affected multiple homes within an area. So we're talking about tornadoes in Tennessee. Or we're talking about wildfires in California or hurricanes in Florida. So half of that, $17 billion, the other half is all the small collective losses that we've had. So repairs on cars, repairs on homes um, that have just gone up in terms of price. It is a, is a conflict right now. I have uh, a, a good friend. Uh, she's a real estate agent. And they had, I think it was their Tahoe or their Suburban that was totaled. Someone hit them about a year ago. And they were going through the insurance claims process. And the hard thing is that home, uh, cars are insured at actual cash value. So what the market would dictate that your car is based on its age, that's what you get paid out. If you buy a car and you bought it new for $30,000 and five years later it's only worth you know, $10,000, that's what the insurance company is going to give you for your car. Cars have gone up in value over the yeah, last three right, years. Right. This is a conflict for the insurance companies. Yeah, right. 
Because they want to say, well, that was a, a, suburb, a Suburban could be an $85,000 vehicle. And if they want to give you $20,000, but if you could have sold that thing the week before that you were in an accident for $65,000, the there's an impasse. Yeah. yeah. Uh, They're charging so, X in premiums for things that are valued at 2X. But think about that from the insurance law standpoint. Yeah, right. Is if they're used to paying $20,000 right. for that vehicle and they're having to pay $65,000, yeah. that's $40,000 worth of, so of expenses that they're having to pay. And, and, and where that gets passed along to yeah. is to the consumer. That's right. And so it, it, it will not be a surprise if you see your homeowner's insurance or your auto insurance that's going to change. Um, and I have some people and their insurance has only gone up 3 or $5. And I'm like, that's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. like it, it, that, that's pretty that. good. I, I've, seen, I've seen some that have gone up you know, a lot more than that. Um, progressive last year, depending on certain locations, um, some of their auto policies went up 40%. Northern Virginia area, there's some policies that went up 40% with no accidents. And that's, that's the questions that I get. And, and my job is, is new policy initiation. I, I don't underwrite claims. Um, you know, I, I don't work in that section. But uh, I look at the market values today in terms of setting up policies and making sure the coverage is set up for the future. But you know, I'll get phone calls and say, hey, you know, I didn't have a claim. I didn't have a ticket or anything. My policy went up. Um, one of the biggest things that you can do is a lot of companies now or like you customize your insurance by doing, uh, State Farm has one of their, their like, uh, you know, uh, an app that you can do on your phone that monitors your driving ability. Uh, Progressive, mm-hmm. it's called their, their you know, snapshot discount. Um, you know, for Mercury, it's Mercury Go. Um, you know, Safeco, it's their right track program. And it allows you to get a better rate on your insurance by monitoring your driving ability. So if you're going to do that, Make sure you're a good driver. Yeah. Because <laughs> if not, it can have a different impact on your, on your rates. But that is the one thing that allows you to kind of free yourself a little bit from everyone else's driving record affecting your price. My wife put the uh, whatever the little thing from State Farm in the car. I yeah. did not. I did not. Yeah. I was worried about me and my driver. Yeah. 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 She yeah. drives five miles under the speed limit everywhere she goes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Carly, something people don't want to hear is that building codes actually were written to require insulation and or vapor retards that would promote mold growth from 2009 to 2012. Mold is a huge insurance claim cause, and it's awfully complicated to assess the mold growth risk. I have been billable. I have been, I have been billable thousands of hours doing hydrothermal analysis for envelope assemblies to assess this risk for years. Damn. Hmm. So she knows way more about mold than we do. <laughs> that's, that's great. And, and like there's, there's so many... I, I, I could sit here for the next three months and play what-if games on insurance in like every situation, and it's, it's very difficult. Um, the, the thing that I work really hard to do is setting up with the best coverage for the situation. But yeah, you the, hedge risk. Right. That's what your it, job exactly. is. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then there's always adjusters with every insurance company, and their job is to, uh, to interpret you know, the law and the situation, uh, and it's their say. So... Um, you can, you can get insurance for literally every situation, uh, but most people aren't willing to pay that money for, for everything. Um, so it, 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 is, it is finding the right balance between the coverages that are going to most affect you, finding the right company and the carrier for the coverages that you want, uh, and then finding it for the price that's affordable. We'll close on this, and then closing thoughts for both you guys here. Um, Roger in Pensacola has got another comment. Roger, I love... When you watch the show, my friend, he says Tesla is now offering its own insurance in Virginia and the Tesla app monitors all driving to evaluate if the driver qualifies for the lower Tesla rate. Roger was the first guy in Charlottesville with a Tesla. 
Wow. Uh, yeah. He is a huge Tesla fan. One day, Roger, we need to get you on the show to talk about uh, the private equity, um, the REITs that you're investing through. He's um, investing with these companies through a fund where he's actually an owner of the property, but he's not on the paper and doesn't have to worry about the maintenance. He's a huge proponent of that. Um, Roger, I'll reach out to you. Show is yours. Gentlemen, anywhere you want to go on any topic. Taylor, you want to start? Uh, Sure. it's still tough out there. The inventory is low. The rates are high. Cash is king. Uh, keeping a positive mindset, understanding what you're buying, being, and this is hard for first time home buyers, but probably the most necessary for first time home buyers. View your home as a good, an investment, and be dispassionate about the transaction. It's, it's about positioning yourself at that time. It's not about finding your dream home at 22. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't afford it anyway anymore, <laughs> especially if uh, we upzone and all of the HOA communities become, their prices get driven up and then your insurance goes up 2x, like mm-hmm. Jeremy said. So view it as an investment. Find the right choice to propel yourself to the next thing. And... Uh, Try to stay dispassionate about the transaction. Great, great advice. My best. Jeremy, um, yeah. the show is yours. Roger says it's a real estate IRA, and Roger would love to talk about the real estate IRA anytime. The show is yours. Yeah, uh, I just wanted to say, too, that uh, in working with all the different professionals that I have within real estate, mortgage lending, um, everyone in our industry, other really good insurance agents that are out there, it, when it comes to these transactions, you for, by and large, everyone wants the best for everyone else to, to be the outcome of the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes it's a fear that there's like a standoff that's going on between the buyers and the sellers when really everyone wants everything to, to work out and to go smoothly for the most part. I your mean, there's, there's some your agent is not your enemy when he's telling you the truth. Right. Yeah. The, the agents, the sellers want the homes to sell. The sellers want to sell the homes. Buyers want to buy the homes and the buyer's agents want to help them buy the home. Mm-hmm. Everyone's working together for the collective good. Um, and, and I think, you know, if we remind ourselves of that as we're going through this, it makes it a little bit less scary. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, that's really what, what we all want at the end of the day. Um, also wanted to give uh, a shout out and congratulations to, uh, both the UVA men's lacrosse team and the, uh, UVA men's golf team for wrapping up fantastic seasons. I think they were, uh, they were really good and best of luck to the, uh, UVA men's baseball team. Uh, as they get ready, hosting some big games coming up, number four overall seed. So we'll be, get both a regional and then hopefully hosting the super regional as well. A regional in Charlottesville. We love that. Yep. The uh, lacrosse team, final four, tough loss to Notre Dame. Golf team, better than it's ever been. We are truly lucky. And, I, and I'm saying this not just as someone who bleeds orange and blue, but besides football, we have one of the best athletic departments in the country. We yeah. do. Yeah. I mean, and a lot of people don't realize that. And I understand because we get caught up in football and men's basketball. But the Olympic sports, the non-revenue sports, are legitimately some of the best in the country. Um, and we should take advantage I of it. I think they're great. second yep. only to the University of North Carolina. Oh, we got a Tar Heel, Taylor A. Red. Tar- <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah. want to handle that, or should I turn his mic well, off? Is that what you want me to do? The, 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 the national championships that UVA is ranking up is exponentially increasing with North Carolina. So they, can, they, they might be looking. Uh, I'll send you a photo we, we of the banners. might be looking at UNC in the rearview mirror. I'll send you a picture of the banners. Uh, uh, your boy, Caleb Love. What happened to him? 
couldn't uh, get into Michigan, ended yeah. up at Arizona, at but Arizona the no. he didn't have the credentials. Is that what it was? Well, Michigan, so the Michigan, won't let, uh, Michigan won't let fourth-year transfers quiet, in, right? Is that right? <laughs> Michigan won't let fourth. It's not about Caleb Love. It's happened to multiple people. You know? <laughs> He's right, right. Caleb Love now Caleb, we thank you yeah. for your final four shot. Uh, best of luck wherever yeah. you are. He's at Arizona? Yeah, Arizona. Yeah, that's Arizona. right. Yeah. Um, Jay Dubs, thank you. Judah Wickhauer, the director. Um, Taylor Averett, I'm going to call him the best-dressed guy in car, the second tallest guy in car. <laughs> Jeremy has got multiple people on the network here giving him props. I hope yeah, you excellent. come back. Thank you. Jeremy thank killed you. it. Uh, and you next time, it. let me know if, if it's a blazer yeah. day. I did not wear my blazer. <laughs> you look so sharp. Thank you, everyone. Appreciate it. You look sharp. <laughs> um, thank you, Judah. The I Love Seville Show, guys, is up in approximately 45 minutes. We'll talk to you then. Take care, everyone. Thank you. Fellas, that was awesome. Very well. That was a lot of fun. Thank you. Yeah, so easy, right? Yeah. I, I could easily do a UVA sports talk show if you wanted to do that. I could kill 45 minutes. Very. <laughs>